and welcome to Circumstantial Failures. My name is Matthew, your host, and for those that are new to the podcast, we meet with various fantastic guests every week who have been kind enough to share some personal experiences that haven't quite gone according to plan. And also to highlight why such experiences weren't to do with any personal shortcomings, but more to do with some of the circumstances around them at the time. I'm extremely grateful to be joined today by Isabella Sanchez Castaneda, Isabella graduated in 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic. Yet despite the huge challenges for those entering the workforce at this time, she still managed to find a great job as a digital editor of a regional publication. However, even though Isabella had aspired to work in journalism since she was 12, she decided to pivot and start her own business, Isa Media Inc., She now works as a content strategist using all her experience of digital media and strategy to help clients and business owners increase their own profile on social media as well as reaching new customers. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Isabella. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm really excited. (laughs) That's great. So my first question was about your passion for journalism um, and what made you aspire to become a journalist and what were some of the factors that made you to decide to leave it in the end or leave it at the moment? Yeah. So I love to say I really wanted to be a journalist since sixth grade. It was something where the school paper, you got to ask really nosy questions to your teachers or to the principal. And um, I loved that. I loved getting to know people and and ask those questions that you weren't like allowed to otherwise. Um, and I, yeah. <laughs> I followed that all the way through high school. I was in, um, I was the editor in chief of our school paper. I was so proud of that. And then became um, a communication major specialized in journalism at my university and did all of my internships in journalism, did print, I did radio, I did TV. Like I was in it. I wanted, thank you. I really wanted to just hone in the skills of writing, of interviewing, of um, telling a good story. And I did find myself constantly getting asked by being someone younger, can you do social media? Can you do our Instagram? Can you do our Twitter? And I would, um, but I, I didn't like it. I was like, oh, this, this is terrible. Um, but it's just what you have to do. And, uh, as you mentioned in the intro, I ended up doing that out of college. So, um, it was, it was an internship I had done. I was actually between two internships and I chose the one that was going to let me do the least amount of social media and the most amount of writing. Oh, really? Yeah. And, yeah. and which is so funny to think about now. And I think that's part of the evolution of how I even got into my business later on. Yeah. And yeah. I chose the, the lesser, um, or not the lesser. I chose the internship that had, um, the least social media, but when the pandemic hit, their whole team was readjusted and uh, they needed a digital editor right around the time that I graduated. And with the pandemic, I, I had no idea if I was going to find another position. So I said, yes, I knew them. I was very comfortable with them. Um, but I was doing mostly their social media. I was doing uh, search engine optimization yeah. of their website. I was doing video and and pictures for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I don't even know how many other social media platforms that we were using at the time. <laughs> 
And it just, yeah. it was what I needed to do. But then the doubt started kind of creeping in once I um, kind of got there. Yeah. Is it, do you think starting, you know, your job during the pandemic, do you think that impacted, you know, some of the fulfillment that you got from it? Um, do you think if you started it, you know, before or well after the pandemic, you might have had a, you know, a, it could have worked out differently? I think so. I, it was really tough because it was remote, completely remote, just staying home. Um, when I joined, to, Two weeks later, my whole team was laid off essentially. And then I got furloughed for uh, a week out of every month. Uh, and it was my very yeah. first job. Like, I didn't even know how to negotiate benefits. And this was all happening. And I was like, this is a lot. And I also think it was the, the type of journalism I was doing. I always imagined being. A reporter like on the top news and and all of the crazy politics that you see here in the US and um, yeah. that wasn't really the publication I was at it was more lifestyle it was more best restaurants to check out this weekend which was hard during the pandemic cuz there's not a lot of restaurants you can go yeah watch. So of course yeah i think those are all of the factors that pushed me yeah. um out of journalism maybe sooner than I would have expected um so, yeah. yeah it's yeah I mean how did you feel about sort of leaving a job that you'd spent so long wanting to get um how did your you know your family and friends react were they were they supportive or were they like oh you know you, you wanted this for a long time are you sure yeah so it was personally, it was really difficult because it was breaking up with an identity I thought I wanted since I was 12. And I was, um, I think I was 22 at the time. I'm 24. It's not that long ago. Um, but it was like, okay, that's, that's everything I've built up. I went and got a degree in this. Um, I really wanted it to work out. So it was personally very difficult um, also to realize that there was no guarantee that I would enjoy a different publication. So I started to question, is it the job that I disliked or is it the industry? And ha having those doubts, I don't know, because I never went to a different um, yeah. job. So I'm just like, oh, I'm going to leave the industry, I guess. Um, friends kind of were happy about it mostly because I was so miserable at the time that they were just like we're just happy to see you leave um so that you don't have to be in that situation anymore um and then yeah. my parents actually were really kind of happy only because um they are both uh, entrepreneurs they both have their own businesses and they always thought it was funny that I wanted um more of this like traditional you start as a writer you go and become an editor you then become um an even higher level editor and that very it's not quite corporate but it's a very structured hierarchy in a in a newspaper or in a publication they always thought it was weird that I wanted that um <laughs> so right. they were like yes entrepreneurship go for it yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. I, I mean, I feel so much for you, Isabella, because I mean, I can imagine if you'd have started, you know, your job outside of the pandemic, it, it would have been, you know, something like journalism relies so much on like networking and interacting and sort of speaking with people, asking them questions, you know, all of that. And that must be so hard sort of going into that industry, you know, 
completely remotely yeah. you know it's that's really hard but but you sort of you alluded to my next question which was you know what what kind of gave you the drive to start your own business i mean it sounds like your parents possibly had had some influence there um I, th- I think they did in the sense of like I had seen it, but I had also seen a lot of the the failures of it. So I was like, ooh, I don't know if yeah. this for me. That's kind of, kind of why I wanted the more structure. Um, but I, I really think it was there was no other option. Going and finding another job at the time was not really possible. Um, everyone was still on a hiring freeze. Everyone was still just trying to make ends meet with the pandemic. I I, I think so many of us yeah. just want to forget that time. Um, but so many, <laughs> yeah. so many companies yeah. were just like, absolutely not. So there was no option to go test it out. Um, and so yeah. I was at a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I got to go. And what can I do? And at the time, what actually ended up happening was a friend of mine from uh, university was like, hey, can you um, edit someone's podcast? And I was like, why? Um, I knew how to edit because that was a class that we had taken and um, radio journalism was something that I had done. So I was like, okay, she couldn't um, do it because she was actually doing a gap year in London and the person needed someone like in person and I'm in the Philadelphia area. So I just said, okay, that's fine. I'll do it on the weekends. And I started to see like, oh, maybe I can offer different services to people. I can do someone's social media. I can do a podcast. Okay. It seemed so easy at the time. (laughs) Like it seemed very feasible just because it was so different from what I was doing day to day. Um, So that was just, she happened to give me a call. I happened to say yes. Um, That really opened up the possibility. That was December of 2020. And um, by January of 2021, I was like, oh, I can, I can do someone's social. And I think everyone thinks that social media is not that hard. Um, and, and even I had been doing it for a big publication for a while and I was still yeah. like, it's not that bad. It'll be okay. Um, <laughs> and I thought it was just going to be so much easier than it has been. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it because I just couldn't stay where I was anymore. Um, yeah. and so it was a lot of getting over, um, oh, this means that I am going to leave journalism. This means that I am going to, um, completely shift this identity but it felt extremely necessary at the time yeah yeah no that's so interesting and and that's you know I was going to ask about some of the challenges of that that you encountered when setting up but but you really sort of yeah highlighted those great um so um I've often heard when it comes to like increasing your visibility particularly on social media that more is more and that you just produce more content and that will help achieve your goals but um, you come at it from a really different and more sort of attainable angle when it comes to producing content. Could you talk a bit about that? Yeah. So I have a couple of sayings. Um, one is just, I think everything is content um, as long as you have some boundaries to it. And so instead of doing more is more like just anything um, or trying to keep up, I think um, obviously something that a lot of people will call a circumstantial failure is the algorithm. And they'll say, I can't beat the algorithm. It's just not in my control. Um, And so (laughs) I really try to shift people's thinking into, well, what would you create if 
you didn't have to please this algorithm? And what if you could make your everyday life content? Um, so it's a lot more about what do you want to share? What do you want to say? How can you say something that is a bit more um, true to you rather than this is the best 30 seconds that Instagram is going to pick up and make viral? Um, and so kind of taking that combination of who are you? What are you doing? Can you, my number one tip for most people, if you're on short form, is like, can you just put a tripod up and then time lapse yourself at the desk, cooking dinner, doing a stretching exercise? I don't know. Just put the time lapse yeah, up yeah, and yeah. Then use that and show people, hey, this is what I do day in and day out. I think people will love it um, from a short yeah. form standpoint. I have shifted a lot more because of the podcasting background. I have shifted a lot more um, to encouraging people to go long form and have a conversation like the one we're having now or go and record themselves for 10 minutes and say something they're super excited about rather than again going and saying, what's going to make me the most viral in the next 20 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's amazing. And, and like... You know, I've heard you sort of say, oh, you know, people sort of think you need to post three times a day, you know, 21 days a week. And it's just and you're and you're like, no, 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 you you yeah. got to sort of step back. And, you know, could you talk a bit about your approach, about how you sort of help provide a bit of structure to, to people that are looking to produce content online? Yeah. So um, a big thing is having content pillars. And this works, again, with short form uh, Instagram, TikTok, that or content pillars for your longer form like podcasting. And so what you want to do is give yourself a, a structure and say, okay, I know that um, for, say for podcasting, you have four episodes a month. So I know that the first episode of the month is always about a personal situation or a lesson I learned in business. The second one is about uh, one of your signature frameworks. So people typically, especially service providers, will have um, tips that they go back to over and over again. So that's the second week. The third week is maybe promotional and it's only talking about your offer. Um, kind of giving yourself that kind of structure for long yeah. form. Or for short form, same thing, like Mondays is a more personal post and Tuesdays is something that is more, um, again, signature framework, something that sets you apart. Wednesdays is all promotional. And so you don't have to post every day, but when you give yourself some guidelines, you allow yourself to not overthink it. It doesn't have to be your whole business. I think um, I went into uh, online business ownership with this idea that if I'm not posting every day, I'm not relevant. And when you get yeah. away from that, you're like, oh, I can be relevant and post twice a week and <laughs> I'll be okay. Um, yeah, it just, yeah. it really depends on your goals, but I think most people are way too burnt out to post three times a day. Yeah, definitely. And you, and you sort of, I've heard you sort of say about um, trying to avoid kind of obsessing about likes, sort of chasing likes and actually, you know, some of the people that are going to, um, you know, become a revenue stream, they don't necessarily always kind of like your stuff straight away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I call them lurkers and they are lurking um, on your content. And especially um, I do kind of tend to bring it back to podcasting, but right. You don't know, you might go and po post an episode and you get 50 listeners. You don't know who those 50 listeners are because they don't, they can't like it 
podcasting, you can't necessarily give that immediate feedback. Yeah. But those 50 people could be your next 50 customers. So then on Instagram, we get this feeling that, oh, because I can see the likes, I know exactly who's going to buy from me next. But it's more likely that the person who wants to buy from you is watching, is observing, wants to know whether you're going to introduce a new offer next month, wants to know whether you're actually working with other people. Um, they are sometimes more strategic than we think versus someone who's just passively following. We'll see your stuff, give it a double tap and then move on. Um, so thinking yeah. more like long term, sometimes you if, if you equate it to when you go to a store, you might window shop it. You might look at the jacket a couple times. You don't touch it right away or you don't buy it right away. You just think about it. How is it going to fit in your closet? All of that. <laughs> Yeah, let, letting it percolate, mm -hmm. sort of. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, what what would you say some of the the harder social media platforms are to to break through on and, and build a presence? Would you say in your you know sort of your experience, particularly working with clients? Yeah, I think it's all of them can work. Right now, we're actually seeing a big surge in Facebook fan pages again, and Facebook groups are always extreme. But most people are not going to tell you to go build a fan base on Facebook um, because it's not the sexy new platform. I think all right. of them can work. One that I'm keeping my eye on a lot is YouTube Shorts um, as a positive. I think that one, um, if you are someone who's doing short form content, just put it on YouTube Shorts. You can get a lot of traction there. Um, but all of them are, I know this is kind of like a non-answer, but all of them are difficult in their own way. But that's why you have to make sure that what you're sharing and why you're sharing is really carefully thought out. Like you don't want to just, your goal cannot be, I just want to go viral. It has to really yeah, say, yeah. hey, if only five people like this post or if only five people comment um, on this video, it'll still be worth it to me to put it out because I know that one of those five people really needed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's brilliant. Um, and could I ask you about sort of what are some of the more typical um, kind of business owners that you work with are they are they quite young and tech savvy but need some kind of direction and structure or are they a bit more older maybe more corporate with less of an understanding about social media or is it both? i think both <laughs> um i think yeah, yeah. it's it's shifted a bit so when i was doing primarily content strategy where it was very focused on instagram i got folks who were of all ages but who were not as tech savvy they weren't as um risk taking on these platforms um i'm sure they knew how to you know upload a picture and things like that but going further than that and really putting themselves out there was quite scary as I've shifted into a combination of social media strategy and podcast strategy, it's a yeah. bit more of an established entrepreneur, a bit of more, they know how to post on Instagram and they're, they're kind of just tired of it. So they want a new way. They want something that's going to be more based in longevity um, and saving them time rather than trying all the hot new tricks. And so just different people for different focuses. Um, but 
anyone can use these platforms. I, you don't have to be a genius for it. Um, but you do have to accept that like a lot of things are not going to work before you find the thing that does work. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really good advice. Um, and, and I've also um, heard you talk about how you encourage clients to consider aspects of their industry that they don't necessarily agree with or, or even don't even like. Um, what are some of the things that people say about their sort of specific industries or sectors? Yeah, um, I love following what you don't like. Like when you don't know what to do, people tend to say, well, what do you like? What is the what is the thing you dream of doing? That's a lot of pressure because some of us don't know yeah. what's possible. We haven't seen what's possible. What most of us have seen are people who we don't like. And it's not it's not to disagree with them. It's not to call them bad people. Um, but I think it's just human nature to be a little judgy. And so um, <laughs> one person that I'm working with now who um, has a mental health platform, um, we're working together for social media and for podcasting. A lot of what we're talking about is the dangers of some of the messaging on social media with therapy or um, why we need to have more nuance than like an Instagram post or a nice quote that says, think positive. Um, so we actually got really great ideas from going in and saying, what rubs you the wrong way? What makes you very upset? Um, someone, uh, another client is a systems strategist. So she uh, makes workflows for people and puts people into project management tools and things that to a lot of people are quite boring. Um, but to her, it's amazing. <laughs> so she, yeah. I asked her, I was like, what do you not like? And she's like, I hate when people tell you that every person has to use the same tool. And they'll say, oh, everybody has to use ClickUp or everyone has to use Airtable. And she really get like, anytime she sees it, it just ruins her day. And so I'm like, okay, so let's make a lot of content about it. And so now yeah. regularly through her podcast and through her social media, she says, she's like, there's no one size fits all tool. There's no one thing that's going to work for everyone. And people now see that as like one of her rallying cries where it's one thing that they know that they can keep coming back to her for uh, because she pointed it out as a mistake in the industry. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's that's really interesting. That's super good advice as well. Yeah. Um, and what do you say to those who compare themselves to others they see in the press or on social media? And they're like, why can't I achieve that sort of success? Is there any kind of soothing words that you can share with them at that point? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Because I do I do it a lot, too. Um, I've noticed I've, I've done it a ton recently. So um I don't right. know if I don't know if you if you've seen it as much but on social media there's a lot of people who are saying be very scared there's a, there's a recession coming and with a recession your business is going to fail and so it's a lot of scarcity um and so yeah. they'll use comparison in the negative sense of like well if this happened to this business that's this big how is your tiny business ever going to survive? Um, so I've, it's, it sounds really dramatic because it is, That's and, tough. And, but I yeah. see it everywhere. It's a really icky way to try to get people to buy your stuff. But, um, I've seen right. that. I've also seen with the same scarcity that people are sharing. Um, when you see someone win, you might start to say, Oh, well, if they win, I can't win. Um, and so it's just a constant reminder of, 
again, why you're doing it, asking yourself, like, why am I special? And it feels cheesy, but you always do come up with an answer of like, oh, well, I'm not this other person. I'm not. There's hundreds of podcast producers and hundreds of content strategists out there, but they don't have, for example, the journalism background that I have. They don't know how to teach interviewing the way that I learned it from from journalism. So I just have to keep reminding myself of that. So I encourage people to remind yourself of what makes you special, even if it's yeah. Even if it's the tiniest thing, it's just, oh, the way I, I spell my name is different. That could be it for someone. Um, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. reminding Absolutely. yourself of the, of the special sauce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, you, you've also spoken about sort of some of the, you know, when you compare yourself to certain individuals on, on social media, you know, they, they often have a big team, you know, helping them produce their content, you know, helping them create and create their, all, you know, their ideas and that sort of thing. So it's, it's not always a fair comparison. Actually, you're better off sort of, you know, finding someone who's in a similar situation and seeing how they're doing and how they can, you know, relate to you. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that seems- and, and I think going back to when you asked about the, the quantity of your content. Some people can do three posts a day because they have so many people working with them or they have, um, I do a lot with content repurposing where it's like, okay, can you take the 20 minute podcast episode you did and make it into five 30 second clips? That still takes a lot of work. And so if you don't have someone helping you with it, it's so much harder. If you are in year one of business, you're going to pivot and you're going to fail and you're going to have all these um, different issues. I think even had I compared myself like January 2021 to where I am now, just a year and a half, almost two years later, I would I would have freaked out. I would have been like, I can't do that. So it's just because I've learned so much. I've, I've tried so many things. I've failed at so many things. Yeah. Um, so it's just, you, you never know. You never know, like, who has a business <laughs> degree. You never know who has a 20 person team. Um, who yeah. has, um, I think we were, we were briefly talking about it before recording, but, um, with certain contracts that people get, you don't know whether they pitched for it or a friend of a friend works at the company. Even things like that. Yeah they're not going to post it. They're not going to post and say, oh, I actually just got that because I know someone who knows someone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That makes a big difference. Um, and I was reading an article actually just yesterday about um, uh, Twitch. Uh, do you know Twitch is like a streaming platform? Am I, I, am I sort I have, of... Patch- I don't know. You, I mean, you I haven't know, heard. I know what it oh is. my goodness! I know. I know. What it is. I know oh right, you know what? Oh, okay. <laughs> I think you're humoring no, me. I, I know um, what it is, but I've never used it. I don't know if you have. No, no, no. So, so it's no. I don't use it. So it's it's kind of a, a platform that that kind of gamers generally use, um, and they just stream their gaming. And um, a journalist kind of went to one of their conferences that that you know, and they met loads of streamers there. And um, she was speaking to one person and and she was saying, oh, I'd spend about eight or nine hours kind of streaming. And then for the rest of the time, I'm kind of responding to fans, kind of creating ideas and, you know, thinking of things to do. Have you sort of experienced that that kind of those sort of telltale signs of potentially burning out and kind of really trying to do too much? That sounds like a lot. Like that sounds like so much. I, it's a different. <laughs> I mean, it's a different industry. I think. Um, 
Yeah. I think with what I know, the very limited knowledge I have of Twitch, the way that they monetize is by being on for hours and hours on end. Um, but something that, especially as we go into 2023, is going to be a larger conversation is where do we draw the line between business owner and content creator? And can we can we have a, a podcast or can we have an Instagram channel that is purely a hobby that we're not trying to make money off of? Is that possible anymore? Because so many times like we feel this pressure to, oh, I want to be the six-figure content creator or the six-figure yeah. entrepreneur. It's like, why why can't we just have a podcast because we like talking to people? Um, or <laughs> the other way around, why can't we have a successful business? And post content about the business without turning into a machine of just content creation. So I think that's just a conversation we need to explore a little bit more. Um, but as far as burnout, I think it, the limit is, the limit is so different for everyone. Um, it might, video might be really easy for me, but it might be really difficult for someone else versus for someone else, they express themselves beautifully through words in terms of writing. And so they can, they can send two emails a day and have them be masterpieces, but making a video is really difficult. So it's not a specific number. I think it's just, is that where your brain power is best used? Making that post or yeah. is it making a better offer for your client or making a better product or where is the line and and can we have a bit more structure to things? Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank thank you so much for your of time, course. Isabella. Today has been it's been absolutely amazing. Um yeah, so for everyone listening, like any great contact strategist, uh, you can contact Isabella through her social media platforms, particularly on Instagram and on YouTube. And also she has her own podcast, Building Is a Inc. Uh, podcast, uh, which you can also check out. Um, so thank you so much, Isabella, for your time. It's been thank amazing. Thank you so thank much. You. I'm really excited to uh, continue listening to your show and hear about everyone else's circumstantial failures because it makes it makes me feel better. I know we talked about comparison. <laughs> um, yeah. That's a good comparison is being like, if that person can be so great and still have these big mistakes, why can't I? Yeah, absolutely. A friend that I used to work with, they always used to say, you know, what does misery like? They like company. And so that that's yes. sort of... <laughs> yes, that's so true. I might cut that bit no, out. No, <laughs> but, but the thing is, I don't think you should because I think it's, yes, misery loves company, but you're doing it in a way that is still always positive. Like people are still always to overcome Yeah, them. it's affirming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's like definitely. No, thanks. Misery loves company, but like with a little bit of a resolution at the end. <laughs> I like it. That's the that's the journalist in you, Isabella. You. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Thanks again, Isabella. Thank that's you. brilliant.